Well, we prayed and we've read. Well done now, Gail. And uh, Dan, we're going to have a look at that start of Matthew's Gospel. And it's not a great start, is it? When you look at a uh, whole list of names, that's what it would have looked like uh, at the very beginning. Fancy having to read through all of that. Uh, that's a version of Matthew's Gospel, um, 120 years um, uh, AD, and it's in Pennsylvania University uh, Museum, if you want to go and have a look. Uh, but it's not a great start to have a whole bunch of names uh, to come through. I'll tell you one great way to start. A great way to start a story goes like this. In a long time ago, in a galaxy far away, and you get the opening scroll of Star Wars, and anyone wants to do the music, that's fine too. And off you go. Now, you get an opening like that, and you want to know the next thing that's happening. You read an opening like Matthew's Gospel, and all those names, and it puts you to sleep. Unless, of course, Matthew wants to make a simple point and to tell us that actually that beginning, the beginning of the life of Jesus, is not the beginning. That's the point that Matthew wants to make. And he wants to say that the beginning of the story of Jesus actually happened a really long time ago. If you look at verse 17 in the Bible, you see there are 14 generations, and then 14 generations, and then 14 generations, and it's a long time before Jesus actually comes. And all that is the beginning of the story. And then Jesus comes. As you look at uh, verse 18. So if you, uh, verse 16. So that's essentially, what, I guess if you want to see a shortened form of Matthew's Gospel, the way it's done today, is they go previously on 24. Uh, well, that's the kind of thing that you've got previously in Israel's history. You've got these kings. And although there are lots of names, I think as you look at it, if you'd thought about it, you won't be hard-pressed to get a simple message from it. That Jesus is the King of Israel for everyone and especially for people who get it wrong, for sinners. Now Jesus is the King of Israel. Let's go there first because that's the big thing that we're meant to learn. And you learn it from the fact that this big King of Israel who was called David. His name comes more than anybody else's. And the king of Israel called David is the greatest king that they ever had. And the way that Matthew puts these first 17 verses, it's like David's everywhere. Uh, who's ever had Brighton Rock or Seaside Rock? Blackpool Rock, okay. Well, you know what, what, what rock is like? It's, a, it's, a, it's a, a long... We've got a younger generation now, haven't we? You don't know what rock is. You... That's right. And that's right. You go through and you cut it and it's got Brighton written on the inside. Or Blackpool, I guess, if you come from uh, um, uh, strange places up north. So, um, and, and here it is. You cut... The, the rock of Israel's history and you see David and you cut it again you see David wherever you go it's written in a special way to tell you this is all about K 
King David, Israel's king. Except that he himself knew that he was not the greatest king of Israel. Tell you why? Well, you can read for yourself if you look at 2 Samuel chapter 7 and verses 12 to 13. Because David, uh, after he built uh, a temple, uh, or wanted to build a temple, and God said, no, you're not going to do it, your son will do it. But this is what he says. This is what God promises David. He says, when your days are fulfilled, and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring, another word for son, after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom, he shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So God is promising David that one day a son of his would come along who would be a forever king. Except you look at Matthew, and you look at Matthew chapter 1, and you look at Matthew chapter 1 verse 6, and you see that yes, God did give David a son, actually probably more, definitely more than one son but the son mentioned here is called Solomon and he did make the temple, that's true but then you get lots of names after Solomon don't you? and you get the names after Solomon because, well frankly Solomon died and another king turned up and then he died and another king turned up and, another and so therefore you get name after name after name and they're all dying and so therefore the list keeps going so none of those can be the forever king, because obviously, one by one, well, they all die. Until you get to verse 16, and you get the name of the forever king, who is Jesus. And that's the point at which you have no other names to follow him. Because that's the mark of forever king, that you don't get anyone to follow him. You don't need to. He is king forever. And Matthew's gospel is written to introduce us to this forever king. It's like saying, look, you've been waiting and you've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Now you're forever. The drum roll has been going. Now your forever king has come. And so the Matthew, Matthew's Gospel is written to show you what this forever king is going to be like. The kind of things he would do when he's with his people. That's what Matthew's Gospel is going to show us bit by bit. And it tells us how we are to treat Jesus. The number one headline thought in our heads when we think about Jesus is to think in terms of a king. And that's what they did. Even when he wasn't looking like a king, but they mocked him like a king. So if you go to uh, page 834, in the Bible, page 834, keep your finger in Matthew chapter 1, but go right to the end of the story, to page 834, and you will find in chapter 27, the day they're going to kill Jesus, what happens? when you have Jesus in front of people, where they mock him, that's true. But how do they mock him? Look at verse 29 of uh, chapter 27. 
What did they call him? King of the Jews. King of the Jews. And on the cross, what was the sign that they put over him? If you look at verse 42. King of the Jews. Uh, verse 37, rather. Verse 37. And so, on the cross, there he is. And this time, the religious mob mock him. And what did they say in verse 42? He saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. And so, Jesus is seen as the king of Israel right through Matthew's gospel even when he died this is how uh, they were clear about the message they just used it to mock him and so Matthew makes the point at the start that Jesus is the king of the Jews and Jesus makes the point at the end that he is the king of the Jews because when you go to Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19 he says go to all the nations and command them to obey because he's not just the king of Israel he's the king of everyone everywhere teach everyone to obey what he has commanded he is the king of Israel but now the king of everyone please think of him like that live your life in front of him thinking of him like that but please don't think of Jesus as sorry I should have put that down shouldn't I there you are there's the references um, and please don't think of Jesus just being the bossy one who gives the orders because when you think of the king of Israel think that the king of Israel is very very different to the king that gives orders because when you want to understand what the king of Israel is like the king of Israel is very unique because he has one job to do it's not to give orders but when the first king of Israel was introduced God told people what his job was going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 9 verse 16 it says uh, sorry that's when he gives uh, he's not giving orders he says tomorrow about this time this is 1 Samuel chapter 9 verse 16 before the first king ever comes on the scene God says to Samuel about this time tomorrow I will send to you a man from the land of Benjamin and you shall anoint him to be a prince over my people Israel here's the job of the king this is different to any other king. This is the job of Israel's king. He shall save my people from the hand of their enemies, the Philistines at that time. For I have seen my people because their cry has come to me. So the whole point of the king of Israel is not just the, uh, not, not, not think of me as the bossy one. He says, go to all nations and give them commands that I, they should listen to me. This is the God who saves people. And the job of Israel's king is to keep his people safe. That's what makes the Israel king different. 
And so therefore it's no surprise to look at the king of Israel in verse 16 and 17 and then to read verse 21. Look at Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21 and you will see that Jesus, you should bear son, call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. So the thing that God has got to save us from is our sins and then of course the the effect of our sins, the consequences of our sins, which is ultimately the fact that we're living under the devil's rule and he will save us from our sins and the consequences of that. He will save us from death, which is one of the ways he keeps his people safe and then ultimately he will keep his safe, people safe from disease. Matthew's Gospel shows us what heaven will be like with Jesus bringing perfect life to, to everyone he meets and helps. So uh, Jesus is uh, saving people and therefore when he gives commands don't take them as oh I'm being bossed think I'm being saved. These words are the way that my gracious King will lead me and keep me safe. That's how we are to trust what he says. That's what the King of Israel will do. He will save his people from their sins. And Matthew 1.21 tells us that. Okay, that's Jesus, the King of Israel. Let's go on to see how Jesus is also King of everyone. And the second name mentioned in verse 1, or rather the... Uh, uh, Yes, second name mentioned verse 1, and the first name mentioned verse 2, and again mentioned there, so when Matthew's list of one name, one name, one name, gets more than one, gets the name, one name mentioned more than one time, you know it's important. Abraham, mentioned three times. And God made a special promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, verse 8, that 18, that says, In your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Abraham was faithful, he was obedient and so because of him all the families are going to find out what a God of blessing our God is. And so that uh, is something that you begin to see coming out in Israel's history that Israel's history, Israel is meant to have a ripple effect, bringing God's blessing wider and wider and wider. That's what God promised Abraham. It's already happening in this little list of names. Because in the list of names, there are four women. You will find out that uh, there is Tamar in verse 3. She was a Canaanite, as was Rahab in verse 5. And then also in verse 5 is another name called Ruth from Moab. Yep. He just had four Sundays on Ruth. You ought to remember. And then uh, you also get, in verse 6, her name is mentioned, she's referred to as the wife of Uriah, 
her name is Bathsheba, and she was probably like her husband, a Hittite. All foreigners, but all blessed now with the blessing of Abraham. And so the girls tell us that there's a rippling effect already going on in the lives uh, of outsiders. But then you get to that last verse I told you about, Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, and you see the rippling effect is go out to all nations. Because this is not just the king of Israel, the blessings of Israel, but they are to go to everybody and say, look, here's the king of Israel and he will keep you safe. The blessing of safety, the blessing of him leading you and keeping you safe through what he says. And so therefore go into the world and bring that blessing by telling people to trust that uh, Jesus will save you through what he speaks and says. And so therefore we go into all the world like that little uh, diagram said. I don't think you can see the arrows on there, can you? I can see it on the screen more, I can see it more, I can see it there, but there are little arrows going out of... I'm not complaining. Uh, right. Well, look, the point is this, that those, those messages going out uh, and, and where they're finding out because they're going to all the world. And when you think about it, the world's got different little forms. I mean, you've got the geographical world and certainly the violent bits of it, like if you go to the Iran-Afghanistan border where there's nothing but... Um, uh, uh, killing and violence going on, it is just important, isn't it, when you hear, hear that news, is actually that the blessings of Abraham are meant to flow out to people there as they come unto the safety of Jesus and trust what he says will keep them safe from greater evil. And it's equally true if you go into the sports world, where we think people just don't want to know Jesus there either, and there's a dear old Berry this week, they've lost their football club and they're crying buckets and well, even in the sports world, we need to say, well, Jesus is the one whose words will bring blessing there rather than the uh, little applause that they get from time to time. And if you go to the political world, which is in turmoil at the moment, certainly in our country, and you need to say, actually, in this world, God can bring blessing as people turn to him through this time to trust what he says and to live in the safety of that. And it's true also in our personal worlds where you face challenges that are many and you think that it's going to be hard and Matthew comes and says, he will bring you blessing, safety, Take what he says as the king of Israel talking to save you. Trust him and the blessings come. But especially does Jesus bring the saviour, the Jesus, the king of Israel brings uh, safety to everyone and especially to sinners. And you see that in the long list of names as well. You can go back to those four girls if you want. 
and Tamar had children uh, out of wedlock. Uh, Rahab was a harlot, a prostitute. Uh, Ruth, I think, was okay. Uh, but Bathsheba committed adultery and had a part in that herself. But if you think the girls got it wrong, you read some of the men and you go back into their history and some of them are evil beyond belief. But you see, what that tells you is that just being connected to the family of Abraham physically, racially, isn't going to keep you safe. And many of them God punished and in the end exiled as evil. But you know, you can if you want look at the girls, you can if you want look at the men and some really rough characters. But the thing that's really surprising is that the worst of the lot was the best of the lot. King David. And King David is the one who in the end had Solomon, it says that in verse 6, but it says in verse 6 that he had Solomon with someone else's wife. And that someone else actually had a slight accident on the battlefield, if you know the story. At least that's how they spun it at the time. Truth is, they stuck him in the middle of the fighting and then they pulled away from him so that he was never going to walk out again. David, the great king, adultery and murder. So the list goes on because the sin goes on until you get to the last name, Jesus, in verse 16. And that's when it stops. Because he can bless people and save people from their sins in verse 21. Interestingly, the Bible never covers up what its senior leaders have done. And he doesn't need to cover up what we have done because we have an answer Jesus saves from sin so I'm hoping you, you don't see that the, uh, just a list of names but a list of names that are zooming in on one name to show you that Jesus is the king of Israel for everyone and especially for sinners which is why you won't get another list of names well you do but you get to Luke's gospel and that gives you, again, the story of Jesus. It's not really another story, but the list of names are slightly different. It's making a slightly different point. And so um, we'll talk about that on Tuesday. But the main point is that both lists are pointed to Jesus, and after that, no lists, because he's the one that history is waiting for. They're all, those names are stepping stones of promise until you get the king, here he is. You get the saviour, here he is. And after Jesus, no list, because you've got the promise. He's now here. No one else needed. And that's why Paul actually says, be careful of people who get obsessed with genealogies. And I've given you the references there. I won't read them to you. You can check out when you get home. But genealogies essentially are lists of pride, aren't they? They're lists that tell you, you do the family tree thing and you go on the internet and you see how, why do people look? Because in the end they want to say, well, my family is slightly longer than your family. 
or my family's got slightly better people in it than your family. You're obsessed with genealogies and you're obsessing with pride. But what this family tree tells you is that actually what a family tree is like is that if you look back not too far, you get the sinners. And I'll tell you, I don't know you all that well, at least I certainly know some of you quite well, but I just don't know where the, the next ladder up is, the next rung up on your ladder, or the next branch up on your tree. But I can tell you, starting from this, that there are a bunch of sinners. And Jesus has got skeletons in his cupboards, but you look up over the past and you've got plenty in yours. In fact, you're a skeleton yourself with the things that you've done. So, yeah, you don't need to go down the genealogy route. Leave that to the Americans who don't know where they come from and have, uh, need all the help they can get. In fact, my, my American brother-in-law uh, has, has been working on my genealogy far more than I. I've, I haven't thought about it. Um, and we were just about to go off to Bletchley Park and uh, everyone at GCHQ, the, the code breakers and ultimately there's a guy called... Um, hmm? Alan, Alan, that's right. What was his name, Alan? Alan. Yes, Alan? Turin. Turin, yes, that's right. He's apparently the father of computers. Um, and he won the war, actually, because he cracked all the codes and got people fighting in the right places. Anyway, my um, genealogy tells me that uh, he's my sixth cousin. Um, so, you know, wonderful thing. But actually, if you look into his cupboard you find a few skeletons there too so I don't think I want to be playing on that card too much <laughs> now genealogies face backwards connect to the last name on the list and you will face forwards because in the end that is where the hope and the future will be so what can we learn from all this well it might be new you might be someone new to Christianity and I want to suggest that actually it is great to see that even King David needed a king. And my friends, you need a king. You need someone, all of us, have this inbuilt desire. As we saw, there's four heroes on the, in the children's slot. We have this inbuilt desire, don't we, for someone who can come and rescue all our films seem to have that theme because we've got this inner yearning and you have this deep need of someone to lead you, to keep you safe. Someone whose word you can trust and see safety in your future. And that is where we look to, to Lord Jesus. And the wonderful thing is that because he died for everyone, you can, everyone can. And so therefore, it's a great thing to trust him, to ask him to be your king, and to trust that his commands will bless you and keep you safe. Second thing, maybe you come from a church family that uh, calls itself Christians. Now, it's just helpful to see, isn't it, that that uh, link there is a broken link, because being connected to the family of Abraham itself was no guarantee that people would be not under judgment because many of those kings 
ended up in judgment and got the nation into exile. And it may be that you're someone who's kind of grown up in church and you've got church connections in your family. Well, it is just important, is it, to see that even if you were connected physically to Abraham, it wouldn't help. Again, my brother-in-law gave me my family tree and I happened to notice that um, there were quite a few clergy uh, a few generations ago. We went massively off the rails for the last 700 years, but we did have some clergy in our ranks at one time. But then I looked closely at them, and it was a brother and sister getting married to each other. A clergyman married his sister. So, you know, there's just, there's just no hope. You go up your family tree, you will find sinners. Especially mine. And that's the point, you see. If you come from a Christian home, you've been in church circles a long time, friends, the name to link with is Jesus. That's the only one who will keep us safe. We need to make him uh, the one that we look to to give us our identity as someone in his kingdom. Maybe that we're real believers. And I think what uh, would be really helpful for us is to go home Sorry again, that's the ancient scroll with the heart round it if you can't see in the sun. I'd love us to go home amazed at the lengths that he's gone to to bring us into his kingdom. It never started with Jesus being born. He had you in his mind when he promised to bless outsiders through Abraham. He had you in his mind when he promised David that he would be and have, uh, rather have, an everlasting forever king. It's no small thing for Jesus to save you. And it's really important, is it, because we can sometimes think, well, we understand the love of Jesus because he's forgiven me my sins. And I look back on my past and I see the things that I've done wrong and I see how wonderfully Jesus has washed those things away. And I think, great, Jesus has given me a clean past. What I'm saying is don't make your past too small because his love has got a bigger past than just the things that you have done. His love goes back far further and he's walked down the long ages of history until he's come to love you. Friends, swell your hearts with that understanding. Matthew wants to see the love of Jesus for you started way before he came. Way before you came, but also way before he came. His love for you is as long and as great as that. And I just hope this week that thought might stay in your mind as you remember this list of names. And may your week be filled with deeper praise because you now understand about his deeper love. I want to stop there, ask you to pray. Maybe just in a moment of quiet.
and then I'll pray and then we'll take questions if you'd like to ask them. Let's have a moment of silence. I'll give you a minute just to talk to God from what he has told you tonight. With a minute stop, so let me pray. Now, our Heavenly Father, we do want to thank you for uh, the extraordinary truth about the Lord Jesus. We do want to thank you that Matthew introduces him to us as such a great king. And we pray you'll help us to live this week knowing that that's the audience uh, that we seek to please. And we know, Lord, that it seems like a long, boring list to us, but, uh, Father, how else would Matthew have told us that Jesus is the King of Israel? And people just wouldn't have uh, understood who Jesus is unless Matthew had connected him to David the way that he has. So help us to see his greatness, particularly in the way that he keeps us safe as Israel's kings always did or were meant to. Help us to take what he says as great uh, messages of safety and care. And we pray, Lord, that you would please help us to see ourselves, what a great God you are through the ages as you work towards us and for us. And we pray that you would please also help us to remember as a church that it is the intention of Abraham's family to take their blessings to others. Please help us to do that well on our estate in this new term. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.